You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, it's Mella and I'm the witchy Southern Belle in Bell Book and Candle. Our special guest today is Mike Iamelli, a clinical herbalist, life purpose expert, and brand strategist. He's also the author of Enough Already, Create Success on Your Own Terms. For nearly a decade, his sacred branding system has helped hundreds of celebrities, artists, entrepreneurs, influencers, and spiritual seekers to map their experiences and discover their subconscious motivations, unique brand, and life purpose. He regularly teaches classes that demystify and normalize spirituality, and I am so happy to have him on our show. Welcome, Mike. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am just so intrigued by the topics that you sent me that we could talk about. I feel like there's so many directions that we can go. So let's start with this. What was your spiritual awakening like? Was it slow and peaceful or was it this big slam? Like most of us, a big slam. And this is a story. You have just opened up a can of worms, Mella. So... (laughs) You know, my story starts, I was pretty successful early in life. You know, I started a public relations agency when I was 22 years old. Mm. And I worked with a lot of, you know, celebrities and healthcare politicians and tech billionaires and people in that realm. And then one day, a few years later, I woke up and I was vomiting blood. And that didn't stop for a few months. And so you can imagine, yeah, I was terrified. I mean, I thought I was going to die. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was vomiting blood every day. Um, I was going to different doctors. You know, I was in the emergency room getting fluids. Wow, yeah. um, it got to such a point that I actually was at work and I had an accident. You know, I shit my pants at work. It was wow. the most devastating moment of my life, mortifying. Yeah. And I couldn't leave the house anymore. And so here I am, like slowly deteriorating, thinking I'm going to die. And at the time I had two roommates. One of my roommates was my older sister's friend and she um, had a boyfriend. So she spent less than half the week there. So she wasn't around much. And the other was a guy I knew from college who was a medical professional. And so just by chance, he was home and he knew about healthcare. So he had to kind of be my um, de facto caretaker. Hmm. And he would start to take me to appointments or pick up my prescriptions or when I couldn't even get off the couch, cook for me and support me. And about two months into this, when I was still really sick, I realized I had feelings for him. Hmm. And at the time, this felt very strange because, you know, at that point, I had never been with a man and to my Mm -hmm. conscious knowledge, never been interested in a man. And so I'm here and, you know, it didn't feel sexual. It didn't even feel romantic. They felt like something is happening here. Hmm. And to give you my point of reference, I mean, I thought I could die any day now. So I'm like, is Mm -hmm. this just like desperation? Am I just like, (laughs) this is a human within vicinity. Let me grab on. I don't know what's going on here. But I Mm. also knew that I was in a process of doing some deep healing work. And it was the first time I started stepping into spirituality because I was trying anything. So I was going to Reiki, reflexology, acupuncture, you name it. Yeah. And... I was writing handwritten letters to every member of my family, telling them everything I've never said, because I just needed to clear it out. And so I thought, well, you know what? I just need to speak up to him and say this. And I don't know how he's going to react, but I just Mm -hmm. need to say something. 
And so I got up the nerve and I said, you know, Garrett, I don't know how you're going to react to this, but I have to be honest. I, I feel something here and I don't know how to describe it. And thankfully, Garrett is the most thoughtful person in the world. And so he kind of sat with us and we continued talking about it over the course of two months. And those two months turned into two years of exploring if a relationship can work. Wow. And so we, we still dated women. We weren't exclusive, um, but we explored. Could we have intimacy? Is there parts of ourselves we haven't explored? And I remember, you know, people often say to me, well, you know, as you're falling in love with him, was the first time kissing so natural and like magical? I was like, no, it was the opposite. <laughs> I have never felt facial hair while kissing somebody before. It felt so uncomfortable. And mm. we didn't kiss for a long time after that. And so there, it was really this touch and go moment. But as this was going on, I was at Reiki one day and my Reiki practitioner said, can I pull some cards for you? And I said, sure. And I, it's not something I'd never been to a card reader before, mm -hmm. um, but it was something I said, okay, sure. And she pulled a card and she said, you are very psychic. And I said, well, I think I'm kind of intuitive. And she said, no, no, no. I mean, this entire sickness is about all of your intuitive abilities. And you need to start stepping onto this path to get better because that's the only way, you, like your life is about to radically change. And that was an understatement. So I, I remember, and I've never said this on an interview, but I feel like this is the right interview to tell this story. <laughs> I was on, I was just, you know, going to my metaphysical bookstore for the first time and just exploring some of these concepts. And she used the term indigo child, I remember. And I had never heard that term before, so I researched it. About a week later, I was on a bus in the city, I live in Boston, and I was reading one of these books I had on oracle cards. And all of a sudden, I heard a man start screaming. And so I looked up and at the front of the bus, there was a man who seemingly was not feeling kind of balanced or right and you know, kind of out of sorts and was screaming, there is an indigo child on this bus and his wow. energy is freaking me out. And I, so I didn't know what this meant. I didn't know what was <laughs> happening, but all I knew was I'm getting off this bus. Like, yeah. I, do, I do not feel safe. It's like, I hell no, I walk, go here. Yeah, I am walking the rest of the way home. I am not staying on this bus. So I get off that bus and I'm kind of like, what is happening with my life? I don't understand. You know, I was working with all these politicians a few months ago. What is happening? Oh, and so wow. I knew I needed to leave my job, right? And so I decided to give a year's notice. Now, for anyone listening, I never recommend you do that. But <laughs> I did it because I was an owner and it felt like the responsible thing to do. Mm. And so in that year, I thought, well, I'm going to figure something out. And I started going to psychic development classes and I enrolled in an herbal program and I enrolled in nutrition school. And so here I am working full time going to nutrition school, herbal school, psychic school, oh navigating God. my first same-sex relationship, trying to heal myself from sickness. It was a terrible year. <laughs> it was the most exhausting year of my life. But that wrapped up and I decided I was gonna be an herbalist for Boston's tech entrepreneurs because I had been sick. I wanna help these people who were sick. Mm -hmm. And so I met so many good friends from the herbal community now. And it just kind of worked out that at the moment when I was leaving my job and starting this new business, Garrett and I had been together almost two years and we decided this was real. We had moved in just the two of us and we were ready to tell people in our lives. And so it's because it was kind of all happening at once and we told people, mostly supportive, some not, because I'm not naming names here. Everyone mm -hmm. got there eventually. I was this herbalist to tech entrepreneurs. And I have to be honest with you, Mella, I didn't love it. It didn't feel like it was speaking to all of my gifts. And I just thought, okay, I gave up everything. Like, I better figure this out. And so I thought, all right, Mike, you've always been a writer. 
you have a lot of experience of, of life. You know, maybe you're not ready to talk about your relationship yet, but I, you know, was very successful at a young age. I realized it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. I went through this healing crisis. I found spirituality. Like these are some things I want to talk about to the world. Yeah. And so I started a blog and this blog got decently popular. And about three months later, I got an email out of the blue from a publisher saying, you know, can I give you a book deal? And I was like, wow. what? Like, does this happen to people? Like, I'm so, so my thinking is like, oh my God, they always say that when you are on your path, when you're on your purpose, the universe just gives you things on a silver platter. Mm -hmm. This must be my silver platter. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, so I signed this book deal and they wanted me to talk about my relationship and I did. And then I sent in that manuscript and I thought, oh shit. Like I have to tell people in my life about this relationship. They can't find out on the shelves of Barnes and Noble. Like I have to actually tell people about this. You know, my family knew, some close friends knew, but yeah. Ohio networks didn't know. And so I thought, all right, I'm just gonna blog about this. I'm gonna share this story. And so I wrote about the experience and why I'm in love with Garrett and how I'm in love with him for a thousand reasons. Him being a man is just one aspect of who he is. And at every moment, we have the opportunity to move toward or away from love. And that's all I did, even if it was difficult. And so I sent this, you know, published this piece, went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, and 100,000 people had shared it. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, I it was the most overwhelming moment of my life to wake up to millions of people talking about my sex life. Like this was not yeah. something I wanted or expected ever in my life. And so here I am, like, I am a mess, right? Like, I've got these millions of people talking about me. Um, I've got this book deal, but I'm making absolutely no money. I don't want to be an herbalist. I don't want to be in PR. I don't know where psychic spirituality falls in here. And I just feel all over the place. I feel like I'm never going to know my purpose. And so I have done, I'm not kidding you when I say, I have done every life purpose training that's out there. I have read every life purpose book. You don't know how many times in my life I have heard you will know your purpose by the end of these 60 minutes. Almost never happens, but I have yeah. heard it many times in my life. And so, you know, when you do enough of this stuff, you hear the same messages. People say, figure out what your passions are, figure out what your skills are, then figure out what the world needs and find that middle point. I thought, okay, okay. So um, what do these things have in common? There's herbalism and spirituality and same-sex relationship and viral article and book deal and throwing up blood. I thought, oh my gosh, it's so obvious. I meant to create a blogging course. And this mm. blogging course is going to be helping people get book deals, sure, but it's also going to be deep and spiritual about finding your voice, connecting the dots of who you are. And so I had no money left, I have to tell you, because this was the <laughs> end of the year, I was going broke. But I thought, if you know your purpose, every one of these books told me I have to go pro. And I thought, right, I just got to put it all on the line. And so I got the fancy lighting kit and the microphone and I had a business partner, I had a web designer, editing software, you name it. This thing cost me thousands of dollars. Mm. But I knew that this was going to take off. I finally knew my purpose. So I put this thing out into the world and I think five people bought it. It mm. was a colossal failure. I lost thousands of dollars oh, wow. and I just thought I am done. I am so freaking done. I can't do this. You know, I. I actually put myself on the line this year. I, you know, went for love. I went for passion. I tried everything. And the world just tells me over and over again, it doesn't want what I have to offer. You know, it wants to, you know, objectify me and talk about my relationship with sexuality, but nothing I'm actually interested in. Yeah. I decided to give up. I decided to go back to public relations. 
and beg my partners to take me back because I don't know if I even have a job at my own company, <laughs> but beg them to take me back. And I thought as kind of my goodbye, I was going to host a failure celebration. And what that really was is, you know, me saying at least I did things that got me to failure. At least I took risks. Like at least mm-hmm. I put myself out there. Yeah. That needs to be celebrated. And so I went into a Facebook group I was a part of and I said, hey, I'm going to take the one thing I'm still confident at, which is branding and public relations, and I'm just going to offer free sessions to as many people as I can fit into a day. Like nine hours straight of sessions. I worked wow. with six different people. Literally had to stop sessions to pee. But I didn't care. I was just <laughs> giving it away. Because this was my last day of work. And so I did these sessions. And, you know, I mentioned I'm used to working with a lot of like tech entrepreneurs and celebrities and healthcare politicians. But these were artists and psychics and witches and healers and all types of amazing people. And so I'm offering these branding sessions and we're doing them same as I've always done. And at the end of each of these sessions, each person said to me some variation of, Mike, you didn't just tell me my brand, you explained to me my life purpose in a way no one else ever has. It answers all of my questions. And so I'm sitting there like, what the f- what what are you talking about i don't know that doesn't make you know this is branding like you're, you're crazy maybe i'm not smoking what you're smoking i don't know what's happening here and yeah. so i am get off this call and i'm kind of like all right what do i have to lose and i start doing this process on myself and i come out with six words for myself and these words are aligned zany free unmistakable successful and vulnerable mm. and there was just this light bulb moment and I was like, oh my gosh, with Garrett, my you know now husband, I have never felt that safe to be vulnerable. I've never been that weird or zany. I've never felt like I literally can't make a mistake. And in public relations, I can see half these things were there, why I was successful, but not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And in this friendship or this relationship, this is why this worked, but this is why it didn't. And it just, you know, I was having this little epiphany. It felt like I had this map. And so I got an email. I saw my, my email that one person who I'd worked with that day emailed me and she said, Mike, my friend wants to buy this. I was raving about you. Do you sell this offering? What do you call it? I thought, well, I I don't know. I mean, it's branding. (laughs) You're telling me it's life purpose. I guess it's kind of sacred. I'll call it sacred branding. Made up that term, slapped it on. Next day, I I, I held off a day to call my partners back. So I thought, well, I have a client. I might as well make a little bit of money today. And I worked with one client. And the day after that, I had two more clients. And three weeks later, I had 30 clients. And that was seven years ago. And so I never ended up going back to public relations and it radically changed you know, in the last seven years, I've radically changed the way I look at life purpose. You know, I think a lot of us have shame or have trauma around purpose because purpose isn't really what we think it is. Purpose is more to do with energy medicine. It's the unique flow. It's the channel that we are here to bring through us. And we can understand that not in the things we achieve or accomplish. We usually say, you know, my purpose is to be a business owner, to be a life coach, to be a writer. That's beautiful. But if you can achieve it, that means you can also fail it. And how the heck could you fail your purpose? And furthermore, if you can achieve it, that implies you didn't have it at a certain point. So did you just not have a purpose as a baby? That doesn't make sense. What we did have as a baby is we had sensitivities. Every one of us was sensitive to something. Some babies are sensitive to freedom. And if you swaddle them too tight, they are going to resist. And some babies are sensitive to music and they light up when they hear a sound. And those sensitivities, even before, before we have language, they stay with us our whole lives. Those of us who are really sensitive to freedom 
are always going to feel trapped easily and always look for opportunities for freedom. We're going to feel purposeful when we feel free. We're going to always be wanting to free others and support others in those ways. And when we begin to track that, it's almost like we have a map, like this heaven scroll for this. You know, it's not telling us the exact ways to manifest it. So that's our choice. We have free will, but it's telling us our sensitivities or the things we're drawn to, the things we're going to have the most trauma around because we feel them deepest. The things that where things just naturally flow and we're effortlessly successful and fulfilled because it's most aligned with who we are. Wow, the whole idea of having your purpose your entire life, even when you were a baby, that is really mind blowing because it makes so much sense.、Right. Because yeah, your life purpose is not going to be something that you're going to fail at. You've you've always had that. I love this. And I can just see the shame that gets produced because when we say like, "Oh, you've got to find your purpose out there,"、yeah. like、it's something you have to accomplish and find and do. And that tells us I'm not purposeful as I am. I'm not good enough as I am. And how、right. many of us have felt that for most of our lives, right? Oh, absolutely. It just feeds into that horrible myth that we have to achieve to be worthy, rather than understanding. Hey, wait a minute. Here's the thing. Everyone listening, I don't care if you tell me, Mike, I have no purpose in my life. I'm going to call you on that. Because、mm. all of us have purpose right now. We have a successful friendship, or a successful relationship, or a successful project at work, or something we've done at one point in our life has been successful and fulfilling for us. And I always say it's kind of like having coffee with a best friend. You're having coffee with a best friend, and hours fly by, and、mm. genius just spills out of you, and you forget to try, and you're having so much fun. And then we have those other conversations, right? Where you're kind of <laughs>、yeah. like, "Am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing?" And we get very awkward and technical.、Mm -hmm. And I always say, you never have to try to be yourself. If you're trying, it means you're being somebody else.、Mm -hmm. I want everything. I want this interview to feel like coffee with a best friend. I want the work that I do. I want my relationship. I want my friendships. I want to know what's my energy medicine. What's the、yeah. thing that I can tap into again and again, even when I'm scared or confused, and keep coming back to. I know I am successful and fulfilled every time I am zany and weird and telling all these crazy <laughs> stories and deeply vulnerable and free and not attached to limitations or identity or labels. That's what makes me come alive in life. It's my literal turn on.、Mm. We've got it all wrong. Turn ons aren't just about sexuality. Yes, they're absolutely about that, but they're about what literally turns us on to life. What makes us more sensitive? We experience life through our senses. We see, taste, touch, smell, hear, light. What our turn-ons are are at work. When I get turned on, I can't sleep, and I want to work all night. And I am just downloading and so excited. Or you know, when I'm with my friends and I am like, oh my god, it's bedtime. I can't stop talking because I am so turned on. Or yeah, in sex, when I'm excited and aroused and feeling that erotic energy. All of these beautiful places are where we are more sensitive to life. We're turned on. We're more engaged in life, and we're not numbing out. And that bringing life to this earth is what we all need, and it's the gift we all have in our sensitivities. I think even the whole idea of having it be a brand—that's almost like a word picture that gives you an understanding if your life purpose is like your brand. So, any practical tips that the listeners can really start thinking about mapping their sensitivities and branding、Absolutely. themselves? Sure. So、uh, if we have the time and you want to be up for it, I'm happy to run us through like a five, ten minute exercise where we can all do it together. If that seems fun. Yeah. If you're willing to do that, I'd love oh, it. Oh yeah. Of course, I'm willing to do it. So、um, Mella, I'm gonna have you be our little guinea pig today. And for anyone、okay. listening who's kind of like, I want these questions myself, or I want a full training, we have something for free on the website at mikeimle.com/map. M-A-P. 
you can just download it and do it yourself along with us. So mm -hmm. don't worry if you're a little confused while you're listening. Okay, Mela, I'm going to have you, I want you to close your eyes and I want okay. you to think for a moment of different jobs you've had in your life. So they could be a formal job, like something that you were paid for. It could be a volunteer position, could be a hobby, could be a role you have, like being a mom, being a partner, being a friend, whatever. I want you to think of three of these that you're going to pull up at any point in your life. And I want you to give me the first one right now and tell me three things that you were trying to make people feel in that job or that you made people feel. So for example, let's say you were a teacher. Maybe you made students feel empowered. Maybe you made them feel engaged with the material. Maybe you made them feel safe, whatever it is. So pick one of these jobs or roles and three things you made people feel. All right, so I was a missionary early in life, mm -hmm. both in the United States and overseas. I, I do feel like it was empowering the children and the people mm -hmm. because I was giving them a divine connection. Mm -hmm. I, I love teaching. It was a beautiful connection to be around people because I'm very introspective and introverted. So doing this sort of thing gave me an opportunity to come out of my shell. Beautiful. So it sounds to me like you helped these you know, children to feel empowered and maybe knowledgeable and connected, connected to you. Mm, yeah. Beautiful things. Okay. So give me another job or role and three things you made people feel. I was a teacher trainer mm -hmm. and the same sort of thing. I was giving a connection to the divine because I was doing religious teacher training. Mm -hmm felt like I was, as a teacher training, or I'm helping them to actually be better at their job. Yes, mm, beautiful. Is there anything else? It was fulfilling to me because I feel like my spiritual gift part, one of my spiritual gifts is teaching. So it was yet another opportunity to teach, even though I was teaching how to teach. <laughs> mm, beautiful, beautiful. It sound, sounds again like there's a lot of connection. Um, you make people feel connected. You definitely made them feel, you know, knowledgeable and maybe you made them feel more you know you mentioned helping them to improve or helping them to feel more empowered or more um kind of a better version of themselves so that's mm. beautiful okay how about one more job or role and three things you made people feel i was a hospice volunteer for a little over a year mm -hmm. i felt useful mm -hmm. i felt like i was holding space for people a lot of times they were unable to t even talk to me, but I would just read to them. Mm -hmm. And I was helping the community at large. Mm. Yes, it sounds like really, um, you know, maybe helping people feel heard or seen, you know, in holding space for them. Maybe helping people to is fulfilling for you and it was helping them to feel um, really witnessed or really present that you were there with them. Um, and again, this community, this connection we're seeing. So beautiful. Okay. So now I want you to think of one of the most challenging moments of your life. Something that doesn't feel re-traumatizing <laughs> to think about. So we don't want okay. to get into trauma, but something that, yeah, this was a tough moment. And I want you to, you don't have to tell us what it is if you don't want to, but I want you to tell me three things you felt in that moment. I had a lot of issues with my marriage. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was not being heard. Mm -hmm. I was looking for my husband to make me feel important and I did not mm -hmm. feel important. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had rushed into something because that was the thing that you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I had gotten myself in a situation that I should have waited to get into. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I want to honor that for a moment. And so 
you know, this feeling of not feeling heard, you know, not feeling important, not, you know, feeling too rushed at something. If you had a magic wand and you could have kind of changed the whole situation and given yourself a gift, what three things do you think you would have rather have felt than not important, not heard, and rushed? I would have rather learned to love myself early on. So love for myself, that would have changed everything. Honoring and respecting my husband and how he was raised and his own ideas of life. And it would have been nice to have been heard, to have my own issues that I brought with me and everything going on in my life, to have someone holding space for me. Beautiful, beautiful. Feeling loved, feeling honoring, and feeling heard. Okay, now one more question. Let's flip it, thankfully, and do so. You feel something (laughs) a little more positive. And I want you to think of one of the happiest, most successful moments of your life, a moment that just feels really good. Mm -hmm. And I want you to, you can tell us what it is if you'd like. And then I want you to tell us three things you felt in that moment. I can't really think of one moment in this regard, but I really love being a mother. Mm. I feel pride at my children, they're in their 20s now. So I'm very proud. I see myself in them and I hope that some of the things that I learned along the way that they don't have to learn because I learned it for them. I feel so much love and respect for them and whatever path that they're taking. Beautiful, beautiful. So there's a lot of pride, there's kind of sharing that knowledge and wisdom, there's love and respect. Oh, gorgeous. Okay, so now (laughs) all we're gonna do is map. We're just going to look at what we saw and begin to map some of it. And so for everybody listening, you can do this with me. How many times do we hear Mela say things about being heard, right? That one came up a bunch of times. We heard loved came up a bunch of times. We heard connected come up a bunch of times. We heard knowledgeable or wisdom, sharing wisdom come up a bunch of times, right? So even if we're just starting here playing with this, and this is a really shoddy, you know, very quick and dirty five minute version, (laughs) not my two and a half hours that I would work with people. But even in this, we can start to see some themes in your life. Now, Mela, I'm going to guess that in some of the really happy, fulfilling moments of your life, you have felt very heard and Mm -hmm. loved and empowered and connected and knowledgeable or wise. Is that true? Absolutely. And I'm going to guess in some of the most challenging moments of your life, you have felt the opposite of these things. Maybe that you weren't connected to your wisdom or intuition or knowledge. Maybe that you didn't feel connected, that you didn't feel loved, that you didn't feel heard, that you didn't feel important. Is that true? Yeah. For much of my life, I, I even felt empty. And this is something so many of us struggled with and deal with. And now we know some of your sensitivities, or at least our shoddy version of your sensitivities, which gives us an idea. Now, here's the funniest thing, right? If I were reading my heaven scroll, or if I were up in heaven saying, hmm, what would Mela be doing in her life? Do I think with a sensitivity around herd that she would want to do a podcast? Of course. <laughs> I can't tell you how many podcasters I work. I love doing this live on podcasts because I hear herd come up all the time. Wow. Now, I do this work every day. Herd does not come up from the general public all that often. But from anyone who does a podcast, you better believe <laughs> that word comes up because that makes sense. That's going to be a meaningful container for you. You love feeling heard and helping others to feel heard. You love you know, tapping into your own wisdom and helping others to tap into their wisdom and feel wise and share that knowledge with them. You help, you know, you've probably had a lot of moments of your life feeling disconnected or isolated, and you were such a master of creating, creating connection and helping people to feel connected. Our trauma is just the flip side of purpose. And we really want to understand this because it's sensitivity. 
if we're very sensitive to something, we feel more there. We see, taste, touch, smell, hear more there. So of course we're gonna have more trauma because we're gonna feel things deeper. But on the flip side, we're gonna have more desire to help and make a difference and our gifts are all gonna be there because we can split hairs. We're seeing nuances other people can't see. And so when we begin to understand this, we just get to build a life that feels like us. And we say, okay, what's gonna make me feel heard and important and love? Well, let me create, a, and, and wise. Let me create a podcast that's helping people there hear wisdom so that they can bring more love into their lives and feel important for themselves. There you go. There's the tagline for a podcast. <laughs> and now we already have a sense of what's gonna work for you. And it's not just the podcast, it's gonna work for you in relationships, in friendships, in your job, in your spiritual practices in sex i mean these are who you are they're what you're most sensitive to mm. and they're your, your unique energy medicine they're your unique gift to the world nobody has the exact sensitivities that you have and that means you have wisdom nobody else can ever have and all of your lived experiences even the really hard ones mm. have been building towards this your entire no lived experience is wasted every moment of your life even the shadow forms are cultivating wisdom and understanding for the universe that nobody else has I don't want to hire the person who has had perfect connection and never struggled to help me learn connection. I want yeah. the person who knows what it's like to be in the dirt, who knows what <laughs> yeah. it's like to feel disconnected because they know what I'm going through. And that's the wisdom that we all carry. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Makes so much sense. I love that you said no lived experience is wasted because for a long time I thought that I had wasted much of my mm -hmm. life because I'll be 50 this year. Yeah. And I would say half if not more of my life was in a depression and a dark place and locked away in my room and physical illness, mental illness, just so many of those things because I was struggling to be something and be someone that I wasn't, I think was at the base of it. And I hated myself. Wow. Yeah, and, and thank you for honoring and sharing that. And, you know, in my story, when I was stuck at home, vomiting blood, you know, I had to really spend time with myself. And I realized I wasn't who I thought I was. You know, I was trying to be somebody else like you for so long. And I realized you can't love what you don't know. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know who I was. You know, I mm -hmm. so badly wanted to be this person that I thought I was supposed to be, I thought I could be. And my life is so radically different now. But I'm so in touch with who I am. And here's a real nugget that I love sharing. You can never build confidence being someone else. And I know that sounds trite and obvious, but here's the thing. I've worked with some pretty you know, successful or public people, and I can tell you this with certainty. If you are building success or building anything in life, a relationship, a friendship, a career, it doesn't matter, and you're not 100% authentic, then what starts to happen is the more success you get, counterintuitively, the more insecure you become or the less confidence you have. And the reason for it is you're basically saying to yourself subconsciously, um, who I am isn't good enough, I need to be something else. And the more you get validated for that something else, it reinforces that belief. But see, I told you, if people knew the real you, they wouldn't love you, but you have to be this star or this you know, thing over here. And so we can never build confidence being someone else until we really know our heart, know who we are, know our essence, that place. I don't care if you fail a thousand times over and you're not that successful, you will always be more truly confident in your heart because you're being your very self. And over and over again, you're subconsciously telling yourself, hey, who I am is okay. Who I am matters. And whether I accomplished the greatest success or at all or not, it doesn't really matter because I have this energy medicine and it's the gift that no one else in the world has. I will tell you right now, 
that when we know who we are with absolute certainty and we know who we're not, more importantly, it builds so much confidence. Cause I'm kind of like, oh, you don't want to hire me? That's okay, but go hire this person. You're not, you're not the right fit for me. I know exactly what I am and I own my space. I am the absolute best at what I do in the world. I'm the only person who can be this weird and zany and vulnerable and whatever. And that's me. And if you don't like that, cool, that has nothing to do with me. You know, yeah. I use this work on body image quite a bit and I used to hate my body. And it's a whole long story of how I, I changed that relationship, <laughs> including dancing naked in the mirror every day, boudoir photo mm. shoots, you name it. And I fell in love with my body. And now it's crazy for me to say, but there's not a room I walk into that I don't feel like one of the sexiest, most confident people. And that's not to say I think everybody needs to love me or think I'm attractive. I honestly don't care. But yeah. here's the difference that's happened. If someone doesn't find me attractive, which I'm sure there are people out there, many people who don't, that's fine. It doesn't feel like it has anything to do with me. That's about them and their preferences. But why would that change how I feel about myself or what I feel to be true? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Prayer to the Elements from the book Everyday Magic by Dorothy Morrison. Come to me, air, so fresh and so clean. Grant mental power. Keep my thoughts sharp and keen. Bring creativity. Bring clarity, too. Lend your positive aspects to all that I do. Come to me, water, so flowing and free. Lend compassion and love and gentility. Grant understanding and tempers. Please soothe. In life's little problems, please help me to smooth. Come to me fire, so warm and so bright. As I walk through this life, my pathway, please light. Please help me to live and to love with pure zest, standing up for the truth when I'm put to the test. Come to me earth, so rich and so moist. Bestow, please, your gifts of serene peace and joy. Grant your stability in ethical ways, so I may help others the rest of my days. Akasha, please come and work with these four and balance their aspects within me once more. Transform my life, for you hold the key to changing me into that which I should be. Elements of all that live and shall be, please spin your spell in pure harmony, weaving the threads of my life with ease and stitching its fabric with blessed bees. topics for a minute because I want to ask you how you use your clinical herbalism in your life now. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I don't work in a clinic um, herbalism practice anymore. Um, I used to, of course, still today, you know, when I run retreats or when I, um, you know, work with one-on-one -on -one clients, I may occasionally bring herbs into that and bring ceremony into it. But mm -hmm. personally for myself, herbs are, ooh, that is a world. The plant mm -hmm. realm is such a potent, magical realm. And yeah. for me, there's an herb I really, really love, um, Blue Vervain. I don't know if you know it. Yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. Yes, it is a sacred, sacred herb. Now, I will warn anybody here who uh, is interested, it is very bitter, very, very bitter herb. Mm. So very hard for a lot of people to drink as tea. I feel called to do the tea because taste is always important to me. Mm -hmm. 
I will, you know, work with this realm on very deep spiritual, you know, issues. So blue vervain is an herb that was sacred across many cultures. This was the most sacred herb to druids. It was an herb that was really used by Vestal Virgins in Rome to cleanse. Um, soldiers would put it into their boots before battle. It is rumored to have staunched Jesus Christ's wounds. I mean, this is an herb that is really considered one of the most sacred. And strangely, it's really fallen out of favor in the last few centuries. And so mm. it's coming back a little bit, but this is an herb that, especially for us perfectionists out there who hold tension in the neck and shoulders, this is an herb that really calls to us. And you know, I think what's so beautiful about the plant realm is that plants can work on many different dimensions at the same time. They can work on the physical, the mental, the emotional, or the spiritual, and they really just teach us so much about purpose as well. You know, there was a time when I was um, just out of herbal school and I was walking down the street and I saw a beautiful burdock plant and it was by, uh, it, it looked uh, purple and had a deep red. And when we see that in herbalism, we often think toxicity. And so I kind of energetically was speaking to this plant and I said, why do you grow here? This must be a very toxic area. And it told me, yes, this is a very toxic area. I'm cleansing the area. I said, why? Why would you choose to come to and give your life and choose to come to the most toxic issue? And this really helped me inform some of my work. It said, because I'm sensitive to it. Like you think I'm here just for you or just to cleanse for you. I'm doing it for me. I'm drawn to the things that I'm most sensitive to. And that's my life purpose. That's how I'm transmuting energy for myself and learning about this universe. You know, if just like you might go to an issue you're really passionate and care about and other people aren't looking at because you care and you're sensitive and you want to bring life there. Sensitivity is about bringing life where it wasn't before. And I'm bringing life here by cleansing the pollution. And that's what you do in your life as well. And so I think plant realm has so much to teach us and remind us. Um, you know, we seem to be more disconnected or forget a lot of things, but plants are really um, such master teachers for us. And most witches are going to be very connected to plants and nature, and specifically, I consider myself a green witch. So a couple years ago, we moved out to property that had to be cleared. My, my parents live here too. We cleared a lot of the pine trees and, and I made friends with this land. And so now I have three acres of my own to just kind of walk and get to know the oak trees and the plants and, and plant my own gardens. And it's just so amazing. So I think any of the witches and the pagans and on an earth-based spirituality that are listening are really going to feel resonance with this whole idea of really getting to know these plants. So you do journeys to the plant realm? Oh, of course. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I've done you know a number of journeys and it's really interesting. So um, my first journey to the plant realm started with a shamanic basis, a shamanic journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in a shamanic journey, for those of us who have gone through it, you know, typically when we go through the tree of life and we meet a guide, um, I, I went down towards the um, animal realm and I met a, a power animal who guided me. And in my first one, I worked with a psychic teacher who said, you know, Mike, like, you're just going to know. So she kind of gave me some advice and I went in and I remember going to the edge of water and the uh, power animal really couldn't take me further. And I had to release my human form to be able to go deeper. You know, this was a very ethereal realm, very light realm, and I was, my energy was too dense. And so I remember this feeling of like removing my energy and trying to go into the water and it kept coming back. It really took me a while to let it go. And once I went into this 
plant realm, something really interesting happened. I would see the plants as their physical plant and then they would spin and turn into a human form that represented them. So that, and I asked why, and they explained that they were showing me a way to understand them. Kind of give me a, that give me a personality so that I could understand in my own language yeah. what they look like, my own sensitivity. I've heard that from other people as well. Mm, oh, really? Oh, that's so yeah. fascinating. So yes, so I was able to kind of understand them a little bit. Like some showed up as a silly child playing. Some <laughs> showed up as you know really stern and intense, and it gave me such information right away in a language I could understand. Because as we know, plants or really any being um, speaks through energy. And the way that we interpret that energy is going to be according to our own lived experience. Kind of sounds like sensitivities, right? Yeah. But you know, that's how we all speak. We speak in this language of energy. And so they were giving me that gift that I could interpret through my own language, my own lens. And it was so beautiful to be able to commune and ask, you know, information. I want to advise that to anybody here. You know, if you are wanting to work with the plant realm in a deeper way and you don't have access to the physical plant, we always have access to that collective unconscious. We always have access to journeying towards plants. We also can make flower essences remotely so we can call in their energy, even if it's not physically near us. At any point, of course, we know that. And working with the plants, you know, I really advise you to uh, commune with them. You know, if you're going to drink tea, even if it's your, you know, typical chamomile and it's kind of the ground up chamomile from the grocery store, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Like give yourself permission before you drink that tea just connect in and feel what the chamomile feels like. Maybe hold the herb or hold the cup and just feel it for a moment and notice what your body does and have a little conversation. Just kind of mentally think like, thank you. Thank you for giving me your offering, for giving me your essence right now, for working with me in this way. I want to invite you to come into my dreams, to come into other parts of my life. I want to invite in any wisdom. And just that level of consciousness, for me, what it does is it subjectifies the herb, right? It's not just an object that we consume and we use, it's a relationship. And I think, you know, one thing that we've all lost um, with Mother Earth, with, you know, many things in life, is that it's this living, breathing thing that we're not yep. using or consuming, we yeah. exist in relationship with. And the extent to which we subjectify or we see it as living is the extent to which we can't extract from it we can't just take right because now yeah. we realize just like a friend i'm not just going to take and take and take from a friend i'm going to be in a relationship you know i might want my coupon code when i'm shopping on amazon but if i'm shopping from a local artist or local herbalist i don't want a coupon code i want to give them a fair exchange yeah and so understanding that the extent to which this is human to us or this is living sub subjectivity to us this is something that we can't take from and that plants are going to be more open to working with us. I mean, we have to understand this realm is very distrustful of humans for good reason, because mm -hmm. humans have been very you know, untrustworthy. And so building those relationships and building those plant allies is so important. And those plant allies, just like spirit allies or whatever else you're working with, they're based on your sensitivities. So look at what you're most sensitive to. You know, for you, Mela, thinking about connection, Think of the plants who really facilitate connection or love. I think rose petals immediately for you. Like mm. when I think of love, <laughs> like that's an herb that you may choose to work with because you have similar sensitivities and therefore may be more aligned. It's funny because rosemary is my big plant ally. Mm. But I do have roses. I have roses that I've planted in my front yard even recently. And my Lady Banks rose is finally blooming this year. 
And you know, I think when you just mentioned rosemary, I think about knowledge and wisdom、mm. and the brain, which of course we talked about as one of your sensitivities. And so it doesn't totally surprise me that rosemary has this kind of deep wisdom and really activates and stimulates memory and the brain. And that would be a beautiful herb to recommend when I'm thinking about knowledgeable or wisdom as a sensitivity. Oh, I love that! Yeah, rosemary is just one that has called me for so long. In my other house, I had a massive rosemary bush that my goats ended up eating, but I <laughs> saved the trunk, and the trunk is massive, and I have it, in fact, on top of my bookshelf right next to me. So I have my my trunk of my rosemary even from my other house, and then it was the first thing that I planted on this property. Beautiful, and you know, and one other thing, as you were just speaking about the trunk, that felt called to say is that you know, if a plant is ever giving us Its roots or its bark, we really want to extra honor that and remember that、mm. this plant is giving its life. You know, its bark is its skin. It can't survive without bark,、yeah. and it cannot survive without its roots. Of course, that's its essence. And so, to you know, of course, we always want to honor any flower or leaf or stem that we're taking as well. Yeah. To really extra honor that this plant cannot regenerate if we're taking these aspects. And I've done some deep communion with some of the plant realm about these very topics. And I said, "Why? Why are you calling to me? Why do you want to give your life?" And they've said, "Because it's the best use of life force. Like you carrying on life force is the best next step." And so, for the plant realm, who can often be so wise, this understanding that life affirms life. You know, we are all one life, and it's just what's going to carry on life. And at this moment, if it's reached the end of its journey, and it knows that giving you support through your sickness. Or through your kind of challenging emotional episode, or whatever is going on, is going to help support all of life more. It will gladly sacrifice because it's not, you know, that word sacrifice. It doesn't mean martyrdom. It means to make sacred, literally in Latin, to make sacred. And so, sacrificing anything is to release one thing that's less sacred to allow for the more sacred thing to happen. So, when you have visited Blue Vervain, how does that plant appear to you? So it appears to me as a Victorian England、uh, woman. So a、wow. very thin, very stern, kind of no emotion in the face woman who, you know, is probably upper class and probably、uh, struggles to allow herself to be all the parts of herself and feels like she has to play this role or she has to be perfect or she has to be perfect straight back. And this is an issue that Blue Vervain is both working through and supporting others with, because our poison is our medicine for all of us, including plants. That、um, to allow us to not be workaholics, to not feel like we have to do it all, to not feel like we're perfectionists, and realize that we are actually good enough. And years ago in herbal school, we had、um, to do a capstone project. Everyone made the most amazing things. I mean, they made. Beautiful tinctures or lotions or lubricants or whatever,、mm-hmm. and I thought I only work with tea, so I need to make a tea, and that's not sustainable to make. First of all, it wasn't going to be cost effective for me. Second of all, it's not sustainable because the tea only stays a few days.、Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to make a you are good enough tea, and this tea included blue vervain, included eight different herbs.、Um, St. John's Wort was in there, rose petals, there were a whole bunch,、mm-hmm. and with each tea, I wrote a letter to each of these people. About why they are good enough, and what I can see within them. There were 30 people in the class, so、yeah. I wrote to every person, and I put one drop of the tea onto the letter, and I did a little ceremony so that as they drink the tea, that tea and the energy of it is infused into the letter. And any time they need this magic, they can just read this letter again, and be reinvigorated. And 
you know, I forgot about this. This was so many years ago now, you know, almost a decade ago. And recently I was at an herbal conference and I saw somebody there. And she said to me, you know, Mike, I have to tell you, um, a few years ago, I was going through a divorce. I was going through a very challenging time. And I really was, you know, asking scary questions about life. And I was feeling very, very low. And she said, I just remembered on my altar, I always have that letter. And she said, I read it and I just remembered. And I just put it away and I hid it for myself until the next time that I feel low. And yeah, just that kind of really touched me. I mean, that was a spell right there. You cast yeah. a spell onto yeah. that and, and that was very powerful. I think people would be really interested in your book. Um, do they find that on your website or Amazon? Or sure, where? yeah, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, it's enough already. Create success on your own terms. And of course, I can't speak for every local bookstore, but hopefully some carry it because we mm -hmm. want to support our local bookstores as well. Yeah. But yeah, if you can't find it anywhere, Amazon definitely has it. And it's really about helping us to realize that, you know, enough already. We are enough already. And it mm -hmm. goes through... 12 different steps and this journaling prompts and all this stuff to really help you begin to identify some of these you know, definitions of success, some of these sensitivities and some of these ways for you to kind of create a life that feels like you. Okay. And do you have another book coming? Not yet, but maybe you're speaking it into, um, it's, in, it's in the mind. So maybe you're speaking it into I, a I just, I feel like there's another book coming. I think so too. So <laughs> one day, yes. Tell us your website one more time. Of course. It's mikeimle.com. It's my first and last name. And if you did want that training and do a similar exercise I did with Mela, you can go to mikeimle.com slash map, M-A-P. And you can just download the worksheet and there's a little 36 minute training to go with it. It's all free so that you can start mapping your own sensitivities. Amazing. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. Any final words before we wrap up here today? You know, I think I just want to remind all of us, myself included, that you never have to try to be yourself. If you're trying, it means you're being somebody else. And I want all of us to have a life where we are just living our purpose, living our energy medicine, sharing the gifts that only we have with the world, and really feeling deeply fulfilled, successful, and purposeful. Beautiful. Mike, thank you so much for being here today and sharing such beautiful insight with us. It's really been incredible. I would really love to hear what our listeners think about this episode. So remember that if you go to our podcast website, you can comment on this episode with your thoughts and questions. You can even click that little microphone and send me a voice message, which might even be used on a future episode. Take care and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Bell Book Candle.